Well, if you have your Bible, would you please turn to Luke chapter 2, and we'll get there in a moment's time. I'm sharing this morning a message entitled, Jesus and His Parents at the Passover. Jesus and His Parents at the Passover. I'm going to refer to a passage that Byron shared from about two weeks ago. He shared from the last part of this passage, and he shared an excellent message on the kingdom. But perhaps I will try to approach it from a slightly different angle. So it will appear on the screen as we read the passage, but if you have your Bible, I think it's always best to read it in your Bible in front of you. We're reading from Luke chapter 2 and verse 40 to 52. It says there, and the child, capital C, that's Jesus, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Isn't that the desire of every parent's heart? That our children would grow strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. In the Jewish custom at the time, Every man had to be presented at the temple at Passover time, and it would seem, it's not confirmed completely, but it would seem that maybe this was Jesus' first time that he was going up because he was now a young man at the age of 12. Perhaps previous times he may not have gone, but now he is going with his parents to the feast of Passover So they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy, Jesus, lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, would you agree that that is a long time to have your child missing? Everybody say, golly. (laughs) After three days, they found him in the temple. Where was Jesus? He was in the temple. Sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. On to the next slide, verse 47. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke. 
Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Sometimes moms have an ability to keep in their hearts all that's going on in the little child's life in a special way. In verse 52, the last verse, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. You know, just a little aside for a moment, oftentimes we hear of children going through severe rebellion. And I want to say that a child does not need to go through rebellion. You're a little quiet this morning. A child does not need to go through rebellion. And here we see that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, there are three things that I'd like to highlight out of this passage this morning. There might be other things that are important, other things that might stand out for you, but there are three things that I found very interesting, and I'd like to share three points with you. Number one, children can be surprisingly perceptive concerning spiritual things. Don't underestimate them. Think about that for a moment. May I just repeat that? Children can be surprisingly perceptive concerning spiritual things. Don't underestimate them. And it says there in verse 42, and he was 12 years old when they went up to Jerusalem. Jump to verse 46 on your screen. And they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Now, I want to tell you, when this story took place, Jesus was only 12 years old. And even though he was 12 years old, he was operating at a tremendous level of spiritual capacity. There was tremendous spiritual understanding with which Jesus was operating. At such a young age, he was spiritually perceptive. At such a young age, he was spiritually engaged. Now, I know you're going to say this, but John, he was the Son of God. I mean, give me a break. And that's true. I know you would argue that, but I would also argue that he was also man. Although he was God, he was also man. He was 100% God and 100% man. And even though that is difficult for us to grasp with our intellect, I believe it is theologically correct. And so Jesus was spiritually alive and spiritually engaged at 12 years of age. And I believe that can be the case for every 12-year-old who knows and loves Jesus today. It can be the case today. Now, I'd like to do something practical here this morning. I'd like to ask that any young children that we have, let's say from about 6 to 12 years of age, would you stand, please? If you're 6 to 12 years of age, stand and make your back as straight and tall as you can so we can see you clearly. Okay, stand, 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 stand. 6 to 12 years of age. Now, stay standing. Parents, give them a hand, please. Now, while you remain standing, I want to say to those children that are in that age group that you can have an amazing relationship with God. 
I want to say that Jesus is already revealing himself to you. Don't wait until you're older. Don't think to yourself, well, one day when I'm big, then I'll start to really have that relationship with the Lord. And some of you already have a wonderful relationship with the Lord, I believe. But don't wait until you're older. Just as Jesus was so young and was so engaged in spiritual things, you too at your young age can be the same. And while you are standing, I want to say to the parents and also just other parents whose children might not be here or even grandparents, I want to say the following to you today. Don't underestimate what God can do in and through your child and through your grandchildren. Can I get an amen? Because I want to tell you there is tremendous spiritual capacity in children. You may take your seats. Give them another hand. That took guts to stand up. And I believe that there is a special window of opportunity in our childhood years for our awareness of God to increase. I really believe that there's a window of opportunity. And for myself, I can say that I certainly experienced that. I began to, as a young boy, began to sense God. I began to sense His closeness. I began to treasure His closeness. I began to get this desire that grew in me. I'm talking when I was 10 or 12 years old or somewhere around there. I began to get this desire in me that I wanted to please God. And that's not uncommon that God is working at that age in a child's life. And I began to get this tremendous desire. And sometimes I would be with some of my friends and they'd be watching something on TV which just wasn't really good, wasn't really wholesome, and I'd be grieved in my spirit, and I'd actually walk out, and I'd feel better after walking out, you know, because God was at work, and I was sensing, and I was responding to what the Lord was doing, and so don't underestimate children and the spiritual capacity. I remember at that age in my life, listening to Benny Hinn speaking on television, and Benny Hinn spoke of when he was also about 11 or 12 years old, how he began to encounter God. It's too wonderful. And so I want to tell you this morning, there is no junior Holy Spirit. There is just the Holy Spirit who will reveal himself to whoever longs and desires after him. And even as a child, you can experience and extend God's kingdom. Matthew 19 verse 14 Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. We've been speaking about kingdom influence this year, and we need to know that it is for everybody, everyone, no matter the age. I believe that God wants us to experience his kingdom and be involved in extending the kingdom. Number two, what a joy it can be to give our lives to the Father's business. Would you say that with me? What a joy it can be to give our lives to the Father's business. And it says in verse 49, and he, that's Jesus, said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? Now, let me tell you something very fascinating about what you've just heard read right there. 
Do you realize that when Jesus answered his mother in verse 49, those were the very first recorded words of Jesus? The very first words of Jesus. I must be about my father's business. How significant is that? And he realized that the other day as I was reading the commentary and I thought, this is incredible. The very first thing that is recorded of Jesus is saying that I've got to do the will of the Father. I've got to do my Father's business. And I believe that if you and I want to discover our role and our identity in life, we need to get a hold of this thing that we have to do the will of the Father. Come on, say amen if you agree with that. And because Jesus said this, I must be about my Father's business, I believe this demonstrates two things, that he was aware of his identity as the Son of God, and secondly, that he was aware of his mission. Please say this after me. I am called to be engaged in my father's business. It is my divine mission to be busy with the kingdom of God. Now, somebody might think, well, wasn't this just a fleeting moment in Jesus' life at the age of 12 when he was really determined to, to do the Father's business. No, the whole track record that we see as we read the Gospels, we see that all the time he was mindful of only doing what he saw the Father do and, and operating on what the Father was saying and speaking to him. And many years later, we find in John chapter 4 that we see Jesus is still busy with the Father's business. And he is witnessing to a woman at the well. And after this lovely encounter where he just touches and blesses her life and she begins to be turned around instantly, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, you know what? It is so satisfying to do the will of the Father. Satisfying. And it's in John 4 verse 32 and verse uh, 34. But he, that's Jesus, said to them, his disciples, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. It's a statement which is much the same as I must be about my father's business. Listen to this statement. There is nothing as satisfying as doing the father's business. Would you agree with that in your heart of hearts? There is nothing as satisfying as doing the Father's business. And I want to say to you today, if you are listening and you feel that there is precious little satisfaction in your life, then maybe you need to give yourself to the Father's business in a new way. And I believe that the outflow of that will be that you will experience joy and you will experience fulfillment as God is working through you. But you might say, how can I be about my father's business? Maybe I'm in the wrong profession, John. Am I in the right place? Maybe I'm in the wrong job, in the whole wrong situation. And I'd like to say to you, probably you are in exactly the right place. And God has worked in your life in tremendous detail to place you there. A lady came to me the other day and she testified she works in a huge uh, government department in South Africa and she was saying she's been praying to God for years, take me out of here, take me out of here, I cannot handle this, I cannot handle the corruption. 
And she says, God spoke to her the other day during church one day, and God says, I've put you there for a reason. I'm not gonna take you out. I'm gonna cleanse that place from within, and that government department will help to bring renewal into central government itself. And so she's had a change of perspective of what was happening there. Now she's beginning to link up with the other believers there, and they are beginning to pray for that division of government. I wish I could mention which division it is, but because of sensitivity, I can't mention that division. It would surprise you. And so I want to say that more than likely you are in the right place, that you can make a difference in that boardroom, in that classroom, in that cycling club, in that homeowners association, in that parents association, in that business chamber, in that sales department, in that sales team that you're in, etc. I want to say that you are there for a kingdom reason, and it is to do the Father's business. Amen. The last point, point number three. Jesus was attending the Passover feast, but one day he would become the Passover lamb. And it says in verse 41, and his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. What were they attending? They were attending Passover. Now, in South Africa and generally across the world, we call this weekend Easter weekend. It's actually better referred to as Passover. Jesus was attending Passover with his parents. Just very briefly, what is the significance of Passover? The original Passover took place in Egypt many years ago. It's recorded in Exodus 12. And it is related to the 10th plague, the death of the Egyptians firstborn. But the Israelites were instructed by God to sacrifice a lamb, take the blood, and put it on the lintel and the doorposts of uh, each home in order to protect them from that plague. And that night, the Lord would strike the firstborn in all of the land, but he would pass over, hence the term pass over. He would pass over the households that had blood on the doorposts. And so here's the amazing thing. There was no death for the people of God. And still today, there is no death for the people of God. Why? All because of the blood of the Lamb. All because of the blood of the Lamb. And that's why you and I can have death pass over us. And instead of death, we experience the gift of eternal life. Come on, somebody get excited this morning. We are blessed to have the gift of eternal life. And God commanded the Israelites, to keep this Passover feel throughout all generations. They were commanded to do that. And they were doing that. And here in Luke chapter 2, we find that Jesus himself is now at this Passover. Can you just imagine what went through his mind? Here he is. Maybe it's 12 years old. Maybe this is the first time that he's there. And the central point or one of the central focuses of the Feast of Passover is there would be sacrificing of lambs. 
And Jesus would have seen this with his own eyes. And can you imagine him looking at this and thinking to himself, my time is coming. And my time is coming and I will become the ultimate sacrifice. Can you just imagine what was going through his heart? Because I believe that he knew because of being 100% God and 100% man, I believe he knew in his heart that he was going to become the lamb from heaven and he willingly laid down his life. You know what we say to that? What an amazing God. Don't ever believe nobody loves you because nobody loves you like Jesus loves you. God is incredible. And that brings me to the last scripture, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And I just want to pray a brief prayer of salvation because my question to you is this, has Christ become your Passover? If Jesus Christ is not yet your Passover lamb, in other words, you haven't invited him into your life so that his blood can be on the doorposts of your heart so that you can be saved from death and experience everlasting life, would you pray this prayer after me? Just in your heart quietly, would you pray this prayer just quietly, phrase by phrase after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I place my faith in you alone. I give my heart and life to you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I choose to live for you unashamedly for the rest of my life. And I pray this prayer with all my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to serve communion right now. I'm going to invite the communion team immediately. Would you please begin to get up and get ready to serve the elements? As communion is served, this table of communion is open to everyone that knows and loves Jesus. You might have come into the service and you did not give your life to the Lord, but now you prayed that prayer and you meant business with God. And I want to say you can partake in communion. Please hang on to the bread, hang on to the cup. Once everybody has been served, we will partake together. In the meantime,